Well, welcome to Pentecost Sunday. We trust you enjoyed that video demonstrating what happened on this day nearly 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit was released upon the believers in Christ and they went from being a ragtag group of people uh, cowering in fear into the mighty ecclesia, the church of Jesus Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we celebrate today. The church was born, Peter got up, preached, 3,000 souls were added to the church. The same Peter, the same Peter who, uh, you know, denied Jesus three times, who cut off the uh, centurion's ear in the garden, you know, and yet went on to become uh, the most uh, profound leader in the church of Jesus Christ at that time. And, you know, today we still celebrate that power, that power that turns compulsive people and losers and deniers into the uh, instruments of the glory of God. And he's still doing that today, people. He is taking lives and transforming them by his Holy Spirit and releasing them into the world to fulfill his promise. Amen. Now, today I want to I wanna talk to you uh, about Pentecost Sunday, about the day in which the church of Jesus Christ was born when the Holy Spirit came, filled the church, and his bride came to life. And there are three passages I'm going to look at this morning. Uh, First one is the promise of Pentecost, then the fulfillment of Pentecost, and then the fruit of Pentecost. And I want to look at those today. Let's, Let's start this morning with the promise. Let's start with the promise. You know, Uh, Pentecost was something promised by God the Father and spoken through Jesus Christ that it would come and that we would receive uh, power and that Holy Spirit would infuse us with strength so that we could carry out the commission of the gospel. Acts chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, says this, After his suffering, Jesus showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, they said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, it's been nearly 40 days, or it's been 40 days since Jesus' resurrection. And over this period of time, the Bible tells us that Jesus has been appearing to the disciples and to followers of Christ and demonstrating to them that he is the resurrected Lord, demonstrating to them that he did gain victory over the grave and that he is alive forevermore. And that's where the story picks up in Acts chapter 1 here today, that on the 40th day, the day of ascension as it's known in the church history, Uh, On that day, uh, Jesus meets with his disciples, and while he's having dinner with them, he gives them and he reiterates to them his promise. He tells them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the gift the Father promised. He said, which you heard me speak about. And he said, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in not a few days. 
wait for what you heard uh, me speak about that my father promised to give you. You know, in his time with the disciples, Jesus spoke often of the coming Holy Spirit. He told them that he had to go so that Holy Spirit could come. And that when the Holy Spirit come, he would be a comforter. He would lead them into all truth, that he would uh, dispense wisdom, that, and that he would also show them uh, Jesus, that he would show them the Father. And he said, but above all, he will bring you power to be my witnesses. He will bring you power. Now, it's interesting, isn't it, that the disciples say, this is, t- is this the time, Jesus, when you are going to uh, you know, establish Israel as a kingdom again? and reestablish the kingdom. And Jesus reminds them, he says, guys, guys, I mean, you, you know that it was a spiritual kingdom I came to set up, right? You've seen me raised from the dead. He said, it's not for you to know the times and the places of these things. And then he gives that promise, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Immediately after Jesus completes the promise, the Bible says, He's taken up into the clouds. And they stand there. They stand there just like you and I would, you know? If it happened to us, we'd be going, you know, like that. And they stand there looking up into the sky. And then, you know, I I always, for some reason, had an image in my mind that then a couple angels appeared and told them and asked them, why are you standing here? But then I was reading it carefully yesterday. And it says that two men in white were standing there beside them. So can you imagine, here's, here's the disciples, you know, Jesus has just been taken up in the clouds, and they're going. And then they look beside him, there's a couple other guys standing up there going, as well with them, that weren't there a moment ago. And then they probably go like that, look at the guys. And then they, the guys finally turn and say, dudes, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? Why are you standing here just gawking up into the sky? Did you not hear what he said? This Jesus that was taken up will one day come and return the same way. But in the meantime, get to Jerusalem. Get to Jerusalem, because what he said is about to happen. And so uh, the disciples, they did just that. The, uh, they, they had heard the promise reiterated by Jesus again here on Ascension Day. And they got together after the guys left. It doesn't say anything spectacular happened, except that the disciples got up. And where did they go? They went to Jerusalem. They had received the promise again, and they went to wait for it in Jerusalem. So that's the first part of the story is the promise from Acts chapter 1. The second part of the story is the fulfillment of the promise that we see in Acts chapter 2. And it says, when the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 verse 1, had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be uh, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest in each of them. And they were, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here it is, 10 days after Jesus' ascension into heaven and where the disciples saw him leave, they went to Jerusalem and they've been waiting for 10 days in Jerusalem for the fulfillment of that promise. Now, this day, 10 days later, is actually... The, uh, the day of Pentecost, which was uh, already on the Hebrew cal- calendar. It was one of the three harvest feasts. This was the, the feast of Shavuot. This was uh, the day of Pentecost, as we call it in, in English. And it's basically the culmination of seven weeks of seven from the day of uh, Passover until now the day of Shavuot or, or Pentecost. And it has double significance this day. First of all, 
it's the day that's important celebration of the wheat harvest in Israel. Passover is the celebration of the barley harvest, and this is the celebration of the wheat harvest. But secondly, for devout Jews, it had a different significance as well. It's the commemoration of the day when the uh, word was given on Mount Sinai. Because if you remember the Exodus story, they left and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 days until they came to Mount Sinai. And then the word was given on Mount Sinai. So on the day of Pentecost, or Shavuot, they celebrate the giving of the Torah to the people of Israel. <clears throat> the counting of the days that they count between Passover and Shavuot is significant because for the Orthodox believer, the Jewish believer, this signifies the anticipation in their heart for the coming of the word of God. You have to understand that on Passover, the descendants of Israel were freed from serving Pharaoh. And then on Shavuot, they were given the Torah and became a nation committed to serving God. Israel was freed from bondage on the Passover. They received the word on Shavuot. Israel began a journey of anticipation and hunger at the Passover that was satisfied at Mount Sinai on Shavuot. Israel spent 50 days after Passover as a people free from slavery. But on Shavuot, they received identity as a people of the word. This is what took place uh, in Israel's history as they were delivered from Egypt. But now you fast forward to the New Testament. And on the day of Pentecost, we have new significance for the church of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago on the day which the Jews gathered to celebrate the giving of the word to the people of Israel, God gave a new word on the day of Pentecost. When the first word was given on Mount Sinai, a nation was born. When the second word was given on the day of Pentecost, the church was born, the ecclesia of God. When the, uh, when the word came, the first time it was through the law. The second time it was the word through the spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. And then a people released from slavery to Pharaoh uh, came uh, on Shavuot, but a people released from slavery to sin by Jesus came on the day of Pentecost. Amen? I mean, that is awesome. When we think about what took place on the day of Pentecost for the church of Jesus Christ. Pentecost was the fulfillment of what Jesus promised the disciples 10 days earlier in the ascension. And immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, immediately the fruit began to manifest. Peter got up and he preached an incredible message and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day in one sermon. That's a pretty good sermon. Uh, when you get up, 3,000 people come to Christ. Good word, pastor, good word. The ecclesia was born that day. It was the day of a new era in history. It's called church history. The era of the ecclesia of God, the church of Jesus Christ began on that day as Holy Spirit was released. Now, that was the fulfillment of the promise. But now I wanna to talk to you about the, the final fruit of the promise. Final thing I wanna talk about is the fruit of the promise. The direct manifestation of the promise was recorded in Acts chapter two, but the full expression of which Jesus gave in Acts chapter one, verse eight, didn't happen for many chapters later. Why do I say that? Well, in Acts uh, chapter one, verse eight, let's read it again. It said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After the day of Pentecost, after the day of Pentecost, the work of the church was in and around Jerusalem exclusively. 
that they, it, was, it was Jewish believers coming to Christ and the disciples working uh, in and around the city of Jerusalem exclusively. In fact, Acts chapter 6, verse 7 tells us very specifically this. It says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So you see, what was happening from the day of Pentecost uh, forward was that the gospel was being preached and was being ministered exclusively in the area of Jerusalem amongst Jewish believers. That's what was happening. But yet, Acts 1.8 gave us a prophetic word that by the Holy Spirit, we would be uh, witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, I'm here to tell you today that Acts 1.8 found its fruit and its expression in Acts 8.1. So if you ever want to remember that, Acts 1.8 finds its fruit and its fulfillment in Acts 8.1. What does Acts chapter 8 verse 1 say? Well, listen to this. It says, and Saul was there giving approval to Stephen's death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, where they'd been all this time. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Do you see what happened here in Acts 8.1? In Acts 8.1, the fulfillment of Acts 1.8 took place. How did it take place? through a guy named Saul by persecution. I find it very interesting that Apostle Paul, even before he believed in Jesus Christ, his name still Saul, hasn't been renamed yet as the Apostle Paul, that he's already being used by God to fulfill the purposes of God to get the gospel spread throughout all of Asia Minor at that time. Here he was, he was overseeing the the stoning death of the apostle Stephen, witness to it, and he was the one that oversaw it. And then it goes on to talk about the great persecution that Saul exercised over the church, and he caused the church to spread and to fulfill Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome that God found a way to use uh, Paul before he was even Paul, before he was even redeemed, to fulfill his purposes and get the gospel spread throughout all of the lands around them. Thanks to that persecution, uh, the Acts 1.8 was finally fulfilled. Now I want you to read on with me in Acts chapter 8 and go start at verse 2 and listen to what the fruit of the fulfillment and the, the full manifestation of it coming was. Listen to this. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And those who had been scattered, did you catch this now, verse 4, and those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and he proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, so there was great joy in the city. Despite the persecution, the church was alive and well. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that fantastic? Driven by persecution, but empowered by the Holy Spirit, you could not keep the church down. And you know what, people? That is the same exact truth today. 
Think about it for a minute. All around our world today, wherever the church is persecuted, the church is growing. Wherever the church is being attacked, the church grows. Wherever people of faith are being uh, hunted or, or imprisoned or, you know, marginalized, the church just keeps growing and growing and growing. Why? Because persecution fires the power and the determination of Holy Spirit in the church, and the church comes alive and begins to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And they begin to see people delivered and healed, and, and then they see peace and love and compassion released, and the church of Jesus Christ grows in the face of persecution and hardship. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, you know, church, uh, Sometimes, if you read church history, if you even read it in the book of Acts in the first century, uh, there was much hardship for the church. There was persecution. Then there was a famine that hit Jerusalem, and, and the believers in Corinth and all over had to give money to be able to help people from, to not starve to death there. Then in the early church history, between, between the time of the birth of the church in 33 AD and the story we read today, up until 70 AD, there was there was uh, famines and earthquakes and persecution, and there were all kinds of things. And yet, and yet, the fruit was that Holy Spirit worked through believers, and the church just kept growing and growing and growing. And uh, you have to understand that, that hardship, hardship produces good fruit in the church of Jesus Christ. Now I realize today that we're experiencing some hardship. You know, this is, and you know, I've, I've been walking with Christ, you know, in my life since 1981, since 1981. And I gotta tell you that in all my years of walking with Christ, all my years of serving him, I've never uh, been in a season like this where, you know, the church is, uh, you know, restricted from meeting together, is, you know, uh, Many people uh, isolated, cut off, not able to visit in hospitals, not able to visit in seniors' homes, all kinds of obstacles standing in the way of the church, but also standing in the way of society at large as well. And so it can be a difficult time. It can be a hardship for many. But here's the exciting news, that I believe in the midst of it all, the same thing is true today that was true 2,000 years ago and throughout church history, that the church of Jesus Christ can experience a fresh Pentecost today. And that the Holy Spirit is desirous to move through the church and to call us forth as his witnesses in this season like never before. And that if we'll look to Holy Spirit, he will provide us with the power to be his witnesses all over the world in this season in the demonstration and power of his strength, amen? that we can uh, see people healed, set free, encouraged, built up, blessed, strengthened, led to Christ, uh, find peace, hope, joy, love in the midst of a pandemic because Christ is bigger than anything we see around us. Amen? And that church is the power of Pentecost, the power for the church to be his witness, to be his living seed in the world today, deposited to bring forth fruit wherever they go. God has commissioned us to go and to spread hope wherever we go because we 
bring the love of Jesus Christ. You know, when Philip went into Samaria, the Bible says some pretty freaky things there, that people were delivered with loud, of demons with loud shrieks, paralytics, and people were healed. Uh, you know, but you know what it says? It says the, the great joy was spread. When the gospel is released through the power of Holy Spirit that was given at Pentecost, great joy, great joy is the fruit. Amen? There is a joy that comes from knowing and walking with Jesus that you cannot find anywhere else. And I want to challenge you this morning. If you're a, a believer in Jesus Christ, but you, you have been living uh, in a cocoon in these last number of weeks, that you have backed away and you've isolated yourself, not just physically, but you've done it socially as well. And you have cut yourself off from other people, whether by fear or frustration or anxiety or any other reason. Can I tell you today to go to God and get a fresh Pentecost? He wants to release the power of his Holy Spirit through you so that you today can be his witness here in Belleville, in Ontario, throughout Canada, and around the world. God wants to speak through you today. He wants to raise up living epistles, living carriers of his word, and he wants to use you to minister to others in the midst of this season. You know what? I admit it. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I don't. I was asked by somebody this week, they said, uh, Pastor, when do you think we're going to be able to get together and celebrate and worship together as a church again? I had to say, you know what? I have no idea. I really don't. Uh, we haven't had any directive from uh, the province as to when that's going to take place. Uh, we don't have any idea. We don't know. But you know what I do know? I do know this, that if we'll have our own personal Pentecost, if we will allow the Holy Spirit into our lives, to operate through our lives, I can tell you this much. It doesn't matter whether we're in the midst of a pandemic doesn't matter if we're in the midst of a shutdown and restrictions. You cannot hold back the manifestation of the Spirit of God and the fruit that will come from that if we will walk in the power of the Spirit. Do you hear me this morning? There is no way, there is no way to restrict and to, to uh, ostracize, to block out the work of the Holy Spirit in this season. It is not possible uh, it couldn't happen in the first century through the persecution of Saul. It cannot happen today through anything that we're experiencing. I believe that God has, uh, through our own personal experience of Holy Spirit, a power for every one of us to be able to carry the gospel to those who need it and to see the, the release of his love, his joy, and his peace like never before. It's yours today. Take a hold of it, church. Take a hold of, the, of the, the same Holy Spirit was released 2,000 years ago to empower the birth of the ecclesia and to charge the church forward so that they could be the witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You know, take a hold of it today. You are in the uttermost parts of the earth. The promise is not just for them, but it is for you and for all, uh, Peter said, who are far off. It's for all of us, generation after generation. It is for you. It is for you. It's for you. I want you to take a hold of it today. Uh, Pastor Barry's going to come, and he's going to 
He's going to close out our service this morning with a word for you. And, and I want to encourage you to, to take a hold of this today. To make sure that you have the power of Holy Spirit functioning in your life. You take a hold of Pentecost for your life and realize that God wants to empower you today. Amen. God bless you. Yeah, Pastor Kevin. <clears throat> you, you mentioned about the, the womb or, or, or the, the cocoon. And it's actually being, it's a womb. When Pastor Kevin, that just jumped in, in my spirit. We've been in this cocoon, but we've been in this, uh, it's called a poopay. Some people might call it a poopy place. But it's a dark place, and there's been a lot of things in our lives that, that haven't maybe been that great. And we're, we're in this place where we're cocooned in, in, cocooned in, in some fears and cocooned in some circumstances, cocooned in, 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 in areas. And when Pastor Kevin began to speak about the cocoon, and, and, and maybe he's going to come back up here in just a minute and just finish off. But I, I just want to say, you're about to metamorphose. Everything that he was talking about, none of these things can stop us. And I'm in full agreement with Pastor Kevin this morning that you're going to come out of this situation. You're going to come out of this negative, negative situation. You're going to metamorphose into a better person. Don't allow the enemy to disqualify you. Don't believe in your own works, in your own hand, in your own will. Believe in the works of Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And you will, you're coming out and you're going to metamorphose. Everything is getting liquefied right right now, even as it does in the cocoon or the, the, the poupée. And, and, and that chrysalis, everything is liquefying and everything is, is, is coming into one with the head. There are 13 different segments in the monarch butterfly, that I mean, sorry, in the caterpillar that becomes a monarch butterfly. And, and, and that is all liquefying, coming together with the head. We're coming together. Everything is pressing us. And we're going to metamorphose into what God always wanted us to be. And that's an answer and a solution to this world. Don't be guided by everything that the news. Stop. Take your, take your eyes off of CNN for a little bit. And maybe uh, CBC or CBC. Uh, and, and begin to focus it on the good news. Our feet are prepared with the gospel of the good news. We are bringing good news, bring good news, metamorphose into the answer God has always wanted to be. And I just release right now the anointing to go into the, and across the airwaves and into your home, a, a breath of fresh hope is coming and you're about to metamorphose. Don't give up, don't give in. Don't, don't stop believing. Don't stop pressing because your breakthrough is now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah, Pastor Kevin. Hallelujah. I wasn't slain in the spirit there. As a... <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Amen. We, we got to well, cover we, that thing back. We didn't lose anybody. It's all good. It's all good. Didn't lose anybody. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, uh, Barry's right. You know, uh, the Bible says that unless a seed falls into the ground and dies, it doesn't bring forth fruit. Unless that caterpillar goes into the cocoon, uh, into the chrysalis. It doesn't come forth as a butterfly. That you cannot become what you are called to be until you take the old man, you lay it at the feet of Jesus, and you invite Holy Spirit to change you from within. So today, as, as I close this service in prayer, I want to just invite you to uh, take a hold of, of your own Pentecost today and to allow Holy Spirit to metamorphose your life, to change you, to uh, uh, see your, your fears, your anxieties, your, 
your uh, inhibitions die today so that you can bring forth new life, new fruit, that the seed can fall into the ground and bring forth new life today. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name. I thank you so much for your people. I thank you, Lord, for the the work of Holy Spirit in the church today. And I pray, God, that, Lord, that there'd be a, a fresh release of your spirit today upon the church of Jesus Christ. That, Father, just as throughout history, every time the church has experienced a persecution, every time it has experienced hardship, every time it's experienced famine or pestilence or sword, Father, you have caused the church to rise up in power and, Father, to shift history. And, Lord, I believe you're doing it again today. Father, I believe in this season that we are in that's having a global impact that, Lord, you're raising up men and women of God who are willing to be instruments of the Spirit. And Lord, you are shifting hearts. You're shifting lives. You are causing people to metamorph into what they've been called to be. And Lord, the fruit as a result is many coming to Christ. And Lord, today, for those who are watching this broadcast, whether they watch it live or whether they watch it later sometime this week, I pray today that, Father, they would uh, go to Christ. If you're watching and you've never invited Christ into your life, if you've never submitted yourself to him, then I invite you to do that today. It doesn't complicate it. You don't have to, there's no said formula that you have to follow. You simply have to, from the depth of your being, put your life and cast all your cares, the Bible says, all your sins upon Jesus who took them to the cross. And then you need to invite him to give you new life. And it doesn't matter how awkward the prayer is or how religious it sounds. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you give him your sin and the great exchange takes place where he gives you his life. And you take that resurrection life and you begin to walk in it every day. You begin to get into his word. You begin a relationship with the resurrected Lord and it begins today. We ask you to do that with us today. Father, we thank you for Pentecost, and the power that comes to every believer who trusts and obeys in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you today have prayed with me, if you've invited Christ in your life, if you've, you know, uh, taken advantage of that great exchange, giving Christ your sin and getting life, eternal life from him today, then you know what? We've, we've got a uh, uh, a gift for you today. If you would just write us, you can uh, send us an email uh, from our website. The address is there. Uh, you, you contact us. I think phone number, everything's on the website as well. www.desertstream.net. You go there. We would love to, we just got some new Bibles in, didn't we, Pastor Mark? Got new Bibles in this week. We would love to send you a, a brand new Bible. We would love to bless you, encourage you in your journey in Christ. Why? Because We realize that this life is the best life you could possibly live, and we want to help you to live it to the full. That's our desire today. Thank you once again this morning for joining with us. Uh, Thank you, team, for being here today with me. I am so blessed to have a great team here working with us. And uh, thank you, Jeff. We gave you the day off to go fishing. Thank you for helping us, though, with technical issues. Even though you weren't here, he was on the phone helping us out. Uh, helping us get things going here this morning. Thank you for that. Thank you uh, for letting your daughter, Celeste, come in and run camera for us. Hi, Celeste. Good job. 
Thank you this morning. I just want to thank everybody who's helping us put this together. And to ask our Desert Stream family, if you'd like to uh, train, uh, we, have, we had Jess come in, and she's been working with us two weeks now, two weeks. And we got new volunteers coming in. We can use your help. Uh, because when we get together again soon, we're going to need uh, an army of volunteers to enable us to continue to bring this broadcast to uh, hundreds, even thousands of people every week through the miracle of the internet and be a blessing to many, many, many more people. Thank you for being with us today. It's been a joy and a delight. Have a great Pentecost Sunday. Walk in the power of the Spirit and see lives changed. God bless you. Hey everybody, Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season. We love you. We bless you.